Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. All right, so I just want to thank Pastor Campbell for the opportunity to, uh, to be up here. Uh, also Pastor Williams and Pastor uh, Tozer as well uh, for their investment. Uh, into me uh, over these past few years here. I was given this opportunity uh, about, uh, this was maybe 14 years ago, and at the time I had actually thanked uh, uh, my beautiful wife, who I didn't have at the time, <laughs> but now I do. So thank you, Gina, for being a great wife. Uh, you've been a great support to me. And uh, I just want to speak in faith as well. Uh, so we, we're glad to be back in Chandler. We're blessed to be in America again. Glad, glad to be home. <laughs> All righty, so we'll begin here. In 2007, on August 20th, uh, there's an aircraft, China Air, that had landed at its destination, and it had made its way all the way uh, to taxing to the gate, and once it arrived at the gate, uh, the grounds crew noticed that there's a flame happening in the uh, engine number two. And so they radioed the tower, they radioed the pilot, let them know that, uh, listen, you have a, a, a problem. You need to get everybody off the plane. So they evacuated the plane, they got everybody off of the plane, as, and as the crew left, the last uh, crew member left, the plane e- exploded. The engine number two completely exploded, uh, then caught fire, and then this mil- multi-million dollar aircraft was burned and destroyed. And so, thankfully, nobody was hurt. No, there's no uh, casualties at all. Uh, but, of course, there's a loss of mechanics. And I'm, I'm thinking, what, what made this happen? We have, a, we have tons of computer and technology. It was a brand-new 737. Uh, everything was supposed to be working together completely fine. Uh, but the investigators came back a few days later, and they said, we found the problem. You see this. You don't, right? It's a, it's a very small thing. This is a bolt. What they had found was one bolt, because of all the moving around and, and whatnot, had become dislodged. It fell, and it punctured about an inch hole into the right fuel uh, tank. And because of that one thing, this whole plane was destroyed. So in this case, the plane should have been operating all in one accord, all the pieces doing what it's supposed to be doing. But because of one bolt... This whole thing was destroyed. So I want to uh, preach a quick sermon tonight. Uh, Don't be a loose bolt. (laughs) So to move into it, uh, the Bible talks about the body of Christ, uh, that we should be called to be of one accord. Uh, The secular definition of being one accord is very simple. It sounds kind of generic and granola. Uh, It says, uh, being harmonious and consistent with some sort of uh, idea. So you want to be con- harmonious and consistent with whatever that idea is. But how many know the Bible has a more deeper definition than that? 
Amen? The Bible uses a, a Greek word. I'm not going to pronounce it because I'm not Greek. But essentially, this uh, means that they're moving together. It's a, a sense of accord is moving together in unison with a great rush. And that's what the church is, is called to be. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20, uh, the Bible says that God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And this tells us that uh, this church, every individual here has been set here for a specific purpose and a specific reason. You being here is not uh, by your own choice. You may have walked in here uh, unsaved at one point thinking it was your own choice. Uh, But we have all ended up here uh, for, for one specific purpose. And while we're here and while we are, body, uh, the, God calls us to be operating in one accord. When we talk about the word accord, uh, you see it a couple times in the Old Testament, but mostly the word accord, uh, or being in one accord, appears in the New Testament. And so us as a body, we need to make it a distinct and a very uh, specific effort to be of one accord and to practice being in one accord. So what I'd like to do tonight is kind of go through a few examples of where we see being of one accord in the New Testament, and then we'll... we'll We'll go from from there. I believe there's four key things that uh, while the New Testament church was operating, uh, that the Bible records that this is where the the, uh, exemplified uh, being of one accord. First, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. The Bible says, And let us stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. The Bible says the manner of some, they neglect this. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So this scripture tells us two things. Number one, do not forsake the assembly as some do. To put that quite simply, be here. Amen? So if you look around, there's obviously a lot of people here this morning. There are some people here not here tonight. The question I have for you, will we see you Wednesday? Will we see you at the next event? Will we see you uh, around? Are you here? Are you part of the body? Are you being in, in one accord? The next uh, piece is exhorting one another. This has to do with uh, the relationship between uh, the brethren. Exhortation speaks of a, a strong urging. Uh, it speaks of to encourage or a, a appeal to somebody to do something, to give advice, to give warnings, to make an urgent appeal. Uh, this speaks, again, of our relationship with one another. Uh, this, is, this is what we're called to do and be responsible for uh, as a part of the, of the body. We're responsible for each other getting to heaven, amen? Us as a body, our, our whole goal is, number one, obviously, to fulfill the call of Christ. Number two, we want to make sure we, make it, make sure we all make it to heaven. Uh, and that's our, our responsibility is to exhort one another, to have that relationship with people where we're able to speak into the lives, give guidance, and give direction to one another. The next piece, uh, prayer and supplication. This is going to be in the book of Acts. If you look at Acts 1.14, uh, the Bible says, These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. And obviously we can talk about prayer. We know what prayer is. We have a, a prayer services held an hour before, but we're all together. But the more urgent, uh, I guess more important word I want to bring up is the word supplication. So this scripture talks about, this is a book of Acts. Uh, Jesus has, was going to be ascending to heaven, and he told the disciples, he's, listen, gather together. I'm sending you my Holy Spirit to be with you. He's going to be the one who's going to encourage you. And what these men were doing at this upper room is they're all together and they're praying and they're supplicating in prayer. What supplicating means uh, is you're actually coming together and you're praying urgently for a specific thing. Uh, supplication, there, it's, it's a sense of begging. Uh, if you think about it, if you're begging earnestly for something over and over again, uh, this is what supplication is in prayer. So the Bible says that they were all in one accord supplicating for something. 
Amen. Uh, the next piece here, the Bible says that we should be in fellowship with one another. If you look at Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, the Bible says, Now all those who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and all goods, and they divided, men, divided them among all, uh, as anyone had need. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Amen. This calls us to, uh, to be, have a relationship again with one another. Um, actually, my wife and I were over the, the follow-up ministry, and uh, one of the difficult things that we have is uh, uh, this generation is very difficult to actually go into somebody else's house. This is something that's very unusual and very uncommon. We visit a few people, uh, knock on their door, they look at us like we're going to sell them something. And then uh, after we don't go away, they'll let us in for a little bit, and uh, we'll have some conversation with them. But this is a very unusual thing to do. But the Bible says this should not be unusual uh, for the people in the church. So the, the, the command is that we need to have fellowship with one another, not only here, not only uh, in our services, but outside this church as well. I can admit to you, uh, I don't know where everybody in this church lives. I don't. I bet there's people here in this place that don't know where I live either. The challenge is how do we overcome that to be in, in one accord. The other situation, I bet there's people here uh, that uh, don't know uh, somebody else's name who's maybe been here for 15, 30 years. <laughs> it's true. We don't have, but there's, there's the situations where we may not have relationship. There's people here who've been here for 15, 30 years and don't know somebody who's been here for five days. It goes back and forth. The Bible calls us to have fellowship, to reach out, to, to embrace one another, break bread from home to home. And this, the Bible paints the picture, these, if you're operating in this confine, you're going to be operating in one accord. The other piece is how you view another person. The Bible says that we should hold somebody in high regard. If you look at Philippians verse 2, 1 through 4, the Bible says, Therefore, uh, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any uh, affection and mercy, fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one, of one mind. And the Bible continues, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of men, let each esteem other better than himself. Let each of you look out only not only for his own interests, but the, for the interests of others. Again, the Bible speaks of the relationship of the body. How do you view your neighbor? How do you view those who are sitting next to you? What are their interests? What is God going to do in their life? What calling has God placed upon their life that you can help facilitate? Or are we in here tonight seeking our own ambition, our own will, what we want to do? And in that, seeking your own will, this actually crosses into something very dangerous. The Bible does point out that this seeking of your own will leads to something that's actually very harmful, not only to you as an individual, uh, but the church in a whole. The Bible says that uh, this attitude actually is a mark of something called discord. And discord is essentially the opposite of being in one accord. Uh, if we were to look at uh, Jude uh, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, six through, 16 through 19, the Bible's talking about in the last days. This is a mark actually of looking at the church as a whole and being able, being able to distinguish those who are actually of the body and those who are not of the body. The Bible says that, uh, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there, there would be mockers in the last time who would walk accordingly to their own ungodly lusts. 
These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. The Bible is talking about this is going to be a, a, the, the group of the church, those who are professing the name of Christ, but because of that attitude of self-seeking, that, that attitude of seeing, catching their own ambitions, this is what ultimately causes the discord. The Bible says, uh, uh, essentially, not only does this uh, harm uh, the church, it harms the church, the church in, in a sense of spiritual growth. If we look at 1 Corinthians 3, 14, uh, sorry, 3, 1 through 4, uh, this is Paul speaking to his church, and he wants to see them grow. He wants to see them accelerate. He wants revival to be poured out, but this is what he tells them. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are not able to, for you're still carnal. For where envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And this is the, the stop. So we could be in this place tonight looking at uh, our own life, thinking, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to be in my little bubble. I'm not going to talk with anybody. I'm just going to do my own thing and do what I want to do. And it's not going to affect anybody. The Bible says here, though, that's going to uh, affect the spiritual growth of the church. It's just like that one bolt. You may think you're doing things that are uh, you know, not affecting anybody else, but that one effect could lead to something that halts the hand of God. Who wants to see the hand of God moving in this place? I want to see revival. Amen? And lastly, the Bible simply says that God hates discord. If you look at Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, um, it's very interesting. There's not, not a lot of things. Well, there's quite a few things that God says that he hates. But this, he gives us a list. He says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. That's murder. Anybody murders in this place? Hopefully not. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run into evil, a false witness uh, who speaks lies, and then lastly, an abomination, and one who sows discord among brethren. What's discord? Who's a sower of discord? The Bible says that of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A lot of times you can figure out where discord is coming from by the speech that comes from the person. Even maybe the speech that comes from you. Do you know somebody or maybe are you somebody who always has a better way? It looks at the church, looks at the outreaches, looks at the sermons, says, you know what? We can do it better. We can do it some other way. Is there somebody who's critical and speaks against congregational standards and guidelines? And those things that we have fought for as a fellowship and as a church? Do you know people, are you critical of headship? Do you look at headship and say, you know what, I, I respect what you're trying to do, but you're just trying to judge me, you're being too hard on me, and uh, I don't want anything to do with it. The reason why I'm speaking this tonight is not something that necessarily that I, I'm, I'm observing or I've seen anybody, but this is something that I had to deal with myself. Um, for many years, I'm sure you know, I, I had uh, left here and I'd gone to small pioneer churches. And in a pioneer setting, um, it's a lot different. Um, one of the, the big differences is that there's not that many families, right? So there's maybe one or two families. There's really not a lot of people there. And so when we talk about being in one accord, it's a lot easier to do. You know, I don't have to get along with 500 people. I can just get along with two. And we're in one accord. We're fellowshipping. We're praying together. We're doing everything together. That's all you have right? But things change a lot when you come into this setting. When I first came into this setting, I remember actually, uh, it was a rainy night. Uh, I went to actually, Pastor Williams had, had just come into town, and we went out to, to dinner, and I told him, I will never be a Chandler disciple. And I meant it. And I meant it. 
And the reason why is because, listen, I've survived on my own. I want to quote that scripture, uh, work out your own salvation, right? I'm going to work out my own salvation. I'm good. I've survived. Uh, I'm just going to do my own thing in church. But let me tell you, this thing plays out. A few years later, actually not very long later, I met Gina. We started dating, and she had come from a similar background. So both of us together, uh, we, we kind of isolated ourselves. You talk about that isolation, put ourselves in a bubble. And you're like, well, you know what? We understand, like, we're Christians. We're going to put the Christian label on it. But, man, eh, we're not really going to follow direction and follow leadership. What ended up happening, and there's a lot of details that go into it, but there was a time where we needed our headship and we needed our pastor's backup. And do you know what happened? They weren't there. Not because they didn't want to be. And I'm struggling in prayer, and I'm praying, and we actually fasted trying to figure this out. And God pointed this out to me. He says, listen. He already told me, I've called you to this church for this time, for this reason, like we just said. You need to be in one accord. I don't care about your past. I don't care about where you came from. You're here. You're now. And so that changed uh, that entire environment. And what it gave me a revelation of is uh, what actually headship is here for. And especially uh, as a church kid, I think uh, we, we kind of look at headship growing up as uh, this authoritative figure that doesn't really want to see our best interest per se. Uh, but let me tell you that headship's here for a good reason. I want to look here, uh, this, this identify this. This is essentially a heart issue that needs a fix. And this is where I, I was able to reach and I was able to uh, essentially turn this and go on for Jesus. Uh, the, I want to read to you first in 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. This is a, just a recognition that, listen, God has placed those in authority over us for a purpose. Just as God has placed here for a purpose and saved us here for a purpose, our pastors and our head shepherd are here for a purpose. The Bible says, shepherd uh, the flock of God. This is a command to pastors, uh, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion. Nobody forced these men to do this, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And that's what I had to realize is that, listen, I could uh, look at my headship and I'd say, you know what? They want my best interests. They've been placed here by God to shepherd me, to help us through, to guide us, again, to see heaven make, uh, help, help us see uh, us make heaven our home. And that's a command not only to the, the shepherd, but to the elders as well. Like this, this is your position to care for those. The Bible then continues and speaks to the young crowd and says, uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares uh, upon him, for he cares for you. Number one, getting it right with headship. Number two, humble yourself and submit. That was the other thing that I had to gain. That we, we ended up, well, to fix the situation, we walked, we talked to Pastor, Cam, uh, Pastor uh, Williams and Pastor Campbell at the time, and our, our, our hearts going into it were, listen, I don't care what we think. Uh, I don't care what the outcome may be. This is our headship. We're going to submit and do things right. So that's where we were able to change it and, and be of one accord. Uh, again, aligning ourselves with what God is doing in this place. And God's been doing a great work in our lives. Uh, we do appreciate it. So in conclusion, I just want to ask you about you. Are you a loose nut, loose bolt? Do you have, uh, if, if you look at your own life right now, do you have items of, uh, if you look at yourself, are you seeking your own thing? Are you doing your own thing? Do you have your own thing that you're pursuing? Have you lost the cares about other people? Amen. 
The Bible says that this is what, this is what the, uh, needs to happen in the, in the work of God for revival to flow through. Like we said, we want revival in this place. Uh, we have prophecies that God's going to pour out His Spirit, and we're going to see souls. We're going to see revivals. I want to be part of that. I hope, believe in, that you do too. So the question is, are you one of cord? If I could have you bow your head and close your eyes. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.